All right, so we just heard from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix taking a look at the latest numbers when it comes to COVID-19 in this province. Dr. Henry saying there have been 63 new cases during the past two days. That's 26 cases Saturday, 37 on Sunday. That means 1,266 test positives in B.C. Uh, But on the bright side as well, 783 people in B.C. have fully recovered from the virus. There has however, been one more community death, and that is the death of a man in his 40s, and that is the only death from COVID-19 in the past two days. There are 140 people in hospital, 72 are in the ICU. Let's bring in Jason Tetro. He is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show. He's been listening along uh, to these details. Jason, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Oh, great to be with you again. So what do these numbers tell us? Well, we're back on track, aren't we? Um, I mean, I know it's going to sound strange, but the reality is that we're seeing a much lower number on a daily basis. Um, And if you were to look at sort of other pathogens that come around on a seasonal basis, you would be seeing the same type of numbers. Um, So in that context, what British Columbia has done is they've taken this um, pandemic virus and through the use of the social distancing and being very good about, you know, trying not to spread it to others, they've got it to a point where we're seeing the same kind of um, numbers that you would see with seasonal coming up into the healthcare environment. Because remember, we're targeted testing now and not just testing everybody. And this is giving us a really good understanding of um, how important the virus is um, in the community, but also how important it is uh, when it comes to, you know, the healthcare strain. And so can we take these numbers? Because I guess the, the trouble is you don't want people to feel like we've done everything and we're done. Because even Dr. Bonnie Henry said several times in the news conference today, uh, this is still critical time for that physical distancing to continue, for people to continue doing everything they can to stop the spread of the virus. Uh, Yeah, actually, it's even more critical right now. Um, You know, I'm hearing the words exit strategy more often than I'd like to hear. We're not there yet. Um, What we are doing right now is we are at a point where we have a good feel. We're sort of in that equilibrium, if you will. And what we need to do now is we need to give it some time so that the cases that sort of have been presenting themselves can get better. You know, the numbers of people who are recovered are just increasing and increasing. That's wonderful. But when we start getting to a point where more people are getting better than perhaps showing up on the targeted uh, testing list as positives, then it means that maybe we've turned that corner. So we're right now in an equilibrium. So eventually we're going to get to a point where we're in a better place. Then we can start talking about exit strategies. Now, is this going to be in a month or two? I can't really tell you because it's all up to you. Right, which is what we've been told uh, time and time again, and thankfully and reminded uh, from the health officials. Is it looking too far ahead? Somebody texted me and asking uh, to ask you or thought they had heard you talking about the current flu bug and the current flu viruses and whether or not we should be concerned about those also Mm -hmm. being a pandemic strain. Oh, uh, it's because um, uh, if you remember the pandemic back in 2009, 2010, right? Um, That was what we called H1N1 PDM. It was a pandemic strain. Well, it didn't just go away. It actually became part of all the other flu viruses that circulate. So if you remember when you get the vaccine, there are four uh, that you get. There are two Bs, there's an H3N2, and then there's this H1N1. Well, that's the pandemic because it comes around every single year. 
And so we have the pandemic strain coming around every single year, even though we no longer treat it like a pandemic strain. And this is one of the futures that we might end up with with this with respect to this virus is that instead of it just going away like it did with SARS, it may continue to cycle and become seasonal. And then we're just going to call it the cold, flu, COVID, norovirus, measles season. All right. Um, We've also talked about and uh, Dr. Uh, Tam talked about this. uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry was asked about this during the conference today. Um, And again, not that we're out of the woods. We're still very much fighting this thing. But it seems like what we're doing in BC seems to be working much better than other cases when you look to the states that has now surpassed the 10,000 mark as far as deaths caused by this. Mm -hmm. How do you explain that? Well, I mean, it just comes down to one thing, and that is as soon as we found out that the virus was in British Columbia and then there was community spread, in other words, you couldn't trace it back to a cruise ship or to someone who had traveled, then it was necessary for um, the closures to begin. Now, initially, it was very light, but then as the cases started to move into the exponential phase, that's when we started to see the lockdowns happening. That's what's supposed to happen. It happened with SARS in Toronto back in 2003. Nobody remembers, but that's exactly what you do. And so China, Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, they've all gone through it. They all knew what to do. Dr. Henry has gone through this. She knew what to do. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing so all the positivity that's coming out of British Columbia in comparison to what happened in the States, where basically they just reopened beaches. Right. Um, Take a listen, if you can, because the topic of masks has come up again, and there's uh, a bit of a change in advice and some confusion. So wearing a non-medical mask in the community has not been proven to protect the person wearing it. It is an additional way that you can protect others. Wearing a non-medical mask in the community does not mean you can back off the public health measures that we know work to protect you. So you must continue to practice physical distancing and good hygiene. So that's Dr. Tam saying that, yeah, if people wear these non-medical masks in public, you could Mm -hmm. stop the spread. It's not going to save you. You still need to do all of those other measures, but it could stop the spread. So if that's the case, why weren't we told to do that all along? Well, we have. I mean, anybody who's talked to me has already heard many, many, many times. I tell people to use a scarf to protect themselves. I've been doing this every single year. The difference is that we're facing this COVID-19 and all of a sudden everybody wants to wear a mask, but nothing has changed. It's just that our vision or our interpretation of what we've been saying has changed. So I have said for years and years, it's in my books, that if you're out there in cold and flu season, you have a scarf because that's going to help to protect your nose and your mouth from droplets from other people. You still want to stay that six feet away from them. That's never changed. You want to make sure that if you happen to be sick, either you're staying at home or if you do have to go out for some reason, you wear some kind of protective layer over over your mouth and nose so that you don't infect other people. We've been doing this inside of emergency rooms. So the fact of the matter is that we have just essentially changed our perspective, although the actual guidance has never really changed. All that's happened now is we have more TikTok videos of how to actually make a scarf out of a handkerchief. <laughs> We have with us Jason Tetro. He is on the line. He is the host of the Super Awesome Science Show, answering your questions about COVID-19. And uh, I would imagine some people have questions about masks and uh, the use of masks. And uh, Jason, just before we go to the phone lines, wanted to put a question to you. Uh, this is from a caller. Uh, didn't want to go on the air, but is questioning about cloth masks. And I would imagine this goes for scarves like you've talked about as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Wondering if you should immediately wash them every time you come home. 
Um, actually, you have to first take them off properly. So you take them off by the straps, and then you're going to put it into um, some kind of receptacle that you're not going to touch. And then after that, if you want to put hot water with some soap into it, that's fantastic. Um, you can also put it in your laundry as long as you're using hot water, maybe some bleach. Um, that's not a problem. If you don't want to do that, though, then don't touch that mask again for three days. Done. All right. There we go. Let's go to the phone lines, and Kim has a question. Kim, what's your question? Uh I have two cats, and uh, I was in a hospital, and they both got sick. Can the animals get sick if I have that uh, disease but don't, uh, isn't showing anything? The coronavirus um, can get into uh, uh, mammals like cats and, and dogs, um, but it doesn't seem to be making them very sick. It just seems to be making them positive. Usually it's weakly positive. So I think that you can still get away with cuddling uh, your, your kitties. And well, I mean, I'm worried right? about people going to the store, like me going to the store. Oh, you going to the store. Um, well, I mean, you want to be maintaining that six-foot distance anyways. Okay, okay. Yeah. I just don't want to get anybody else to Oh, no, no, I don't think you need to worry about that. All right. Thanks for that call. Appreciate that. Let's go to uh, Erica on the line. Erica, what are your what is your question? My question is, Jason, why are there such differences in the cases? Why are some cases so mild, and why are some so severe or can even cause death? Is it is some of it the mode of transmission, like direct being coughed on, or maybe indirect touch and then touch yourself? Is that the reason? Yeah, yes, possibly. See, the problem is we don't know exactly what's happening when in the most of the severe cases. Um, but you're right, um, what we call viral load. In other words, how much of the virus is being transferred over. Now, if it's somebody who's very close to you, you're going to get much more than, say, if you pick it up off of a surface. So you're right in that sense. But the viral load is just one possible option. Um, we are seeing potentially um, people who have immunity to other types of coronaviruses that are not doing the job. And in some cases, it might be making it worse. So really, at this point, um, what we do know is that if you happen to have those pre-existing conditions, that hypertension, diabetes, kidney problems, lung problems, we're starting to now see um, what's called oxidative stress. So that could be anxiety, depression, burnout, obesity. Those are all potential uh, factors that could lead to more severe disease, even in the young. Um, and of course, if you happen to be over the age of 65, unfortunately, your risks do get much greater when it comes to this virus. All right. Uh, thanks for that question. And Jason, just something you mentioned earlier, too. So it, it different than SARS, how you mentioned this might be part of the yearly vaccines. Why would we see that? Or why do you think we might see uh, COVID sticking around, whereas SARS was eradicated? SARS was a killer killer. Um, ever since January, when this came out, I've always been saying it's not SARS, it's SARS-like. Um, but we're finding out more and more as we're moving along that this is more like a common cold than it is SARS. But it still has that, that SARSness to it, if you will, that can really um, harm people who have these pre-existing conditions. Um, what's happening now, though, is that we're seeing that, that, that list growing and growing um, simply as a result of the, the types of cases that are becoming severe. Uh, but in terms of SARS, because it was such a killer, we stamped it out. In other words, we were able to lock everything down so that the virus just went away. 
in this particular case, and you know how I talked about targeted testing. Well, that means we're not testing everybody, which means that the virus may actually be circulating out in the real world, but nobody's coming down with symptoms or they have mild symptoms. They think they got a common cold. And so that particularly is, is difficult when you think about it because we're accepting that maybe, just maybe, we're not going to stamp it out, but we're going to let it circulate much like those other seasonal viruses. And do we know at this point, because one of the questions earlier on was also, if you've had it once, do you have immunity to it? At this point, what we know is that you will make uh, antibodies to it, but the question then becomes, are the antibodies going to be able to prevent uh, infection? What we've seen before from other viruses, uh, respiratory syncytial virus, RSV, influenza virus, and even the previous uh, coronaviruses that everybody used to know, OC43 and 229E, you could still get infected, but it would be a mild infection. So this is what we're starting to think might happen, is that you will get the opportunity to develop the um, antibodies to protect yourself, but you may still end up with a sore throat or a little bit of pain in in, uh, your sinuses, but nothing, nothing, nothing like what we're seeing in the severe cases. Uh, So it really will be with this targeted testing, like you said, there will be people who have had this who have fully recovered and and don't know for sure that they had this. So and, and those people will never be included in the numbers. Exactly. The ones that we're seeing right now is all targeted. And it's really just to give us an idea of who's popping out of the population. It's the best way to do it, to be honest. Um, And if we, you know, if other countries like the UK had done their social distancing sooner than what they originally had planned, which is kind of what BC is doing now, would have worked. It just didn't because they didn't catch it in time. BC did. Um, But in terms of all the people, we're going to have eventually what's called a serological test. We're going to be able to test for antibodies. So if you've ever experienced this virus, even if you didn't have any symptoms, you'll have antibodies. And then we'll have a real indication as to how much of the population actually had the virus. And then that will give us a much better indication of uh, how many people really, uh, the the, the case fatality rate, if you want to call it, um, and, and whether or not this really is Um, you know, 10 times more deadly than the flu, or maybe it was about the same as the pandemic flu from 10 years ago. All right. Uh, We will leave it there. Jason, thanks again. Always great to have you on the show. Always a pleasure. Take care. All right. That is Jason Tetro, host of the Super Awesome Science Show. If you didn't get through on the open line, if you still have a question for Jason, email it to me, jill at cknw, and I will pass it along for you.